0: Hey, knaves, knights, and lords alike, this is Alan with the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is episode 109, 109. It's a lot of podcast episodes. But here's the thing, I screwed up. Yeah, I didn't start recording this podcast with claims that I'm perfect, because that is far from the truth. You see, I already recorded episode 109, and I did it with my old biz partner, Sean McCoy. Problem is, I didn't realize I was recording using my webcam mic instead of the microphone that is in front of my face right meow. So the audio is horrible. I'll just give you a taste of what it sounded like. And keep in mind, this is just going to be a taste. We'll come on back and I'll give you a special little treat because I didn't want to just put a tweet out that said, sorry, no episode 109 this week. So, stay tuned, but in the meantime, take a listen as to why I didn't go with the original 109 recording. It's, it's pretty bad. You can tell for yourself. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is episode 109. That's a lot of episodes, isn't it, Sean? That's a lot, yeah. You know what next episode is, then, don't you?
1: Yeah, 11, 112? <laughs>
0: 113? That's that's math or counting. It's 110, which means it's a zero episode, but that's next episode. We need to talk about this episode. Any ideas on what we should talk about?
1: Let's see, have you played any games? I know what something? we should
0: talk about. We should talk about how much I like to interrupt you. What do you think, Sean? <laughs> Yeesh. It's just painful to listen to, in my opinion. The worst part about that is how sweet, sweet, sweet my biz partner Sean McCoy sounded. (laughs) We talked about some fun stuff, too, and that's what really is the freaking salt in the wound. So what am I going to do to try to make it up to you listeners? Well, instead of not giving you any episode whatsoever, I'm going to continue on with this episode with Sean's audio. And just take myself out of it. Think of it as some strange experiment where it's just Sean's audio condensed down. So think of this as a mostly Sean episode. It's going to be weird. You're going to think, how did he come up with this topic? Where is this coming from? But uh, I think it's it's better than no episode at all. Call me crazy. But you tell me what you think. Go ahead and please send me feedback on this strange, bizarre, experimental, mostly Sean episode by emailing podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And, and with that being said, without further ado, here's Mostly Sean with Alan totally edited out. Enjoy! <laughs>
1: I've been good. What's been going on recently? Two Rooms at a Boom is back in stock online, if you live in the U.S., but little piece of Amazon background information, if you care. A lot of times, what Amazon will do is they'll intake all of your games and then immediately start transferring them to other Amazon warehouses. So you get 5,000 games in, and then only 10 or 20 or so are available, while 4,980 are shipped to warehouses around the country. But they're pretty quick about that. And so I've been working on a newsletter, a Newsday Night newsletter, to send out later today to announce that World Championship Russian Roulette's on sale, that Two Rooms in a Boom is in stock, and that we'll be doing a Kickstarter for That's Not Lemonade sometime in quarter one, 2018, Q1, as they call it in the business world. So if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, that's interesting. There's a podcast I like, the Dave Serlin Podcast, which he hasn't updated in a long time and I'm really sad about, but they talk about game design stuff and they go really deep on it. And they talk about using rock, paper, scissors as an analogy, saying, okay, you want to be playing like rock, paper, scissors 33% of the time, like each different one, but slightly altering them so that you're not very predictable. But then they talk about how there's this concept called donkey space. <laughs> and basically, donkey space is just a term that means when playing suboptimally is the optimal way to play. For instance, If you are going up against a competitor in Rock, Paper, Scissors, who is known to always throw rock, then you should always play paper. But always playing paper is playing suboptimally. But given the matchup and given the meta, you want to play in donkey space, where that suboptimal play style is actually strategically the right thing to do, even though in the abstract, it is absolutely the incorrect thing to do to play paper all the time. It's interesting how when you break down game design mechanics to their very, very bare bones essentials, like rock, paper, scissors, there's still a wealth of information to be learned that can then be extracted and applied to other games. Let's say you're playing a game of Werewolf. There is a guy who always says what he is, right? Trusting him 100% of the time, every game you play would be suboptimal, right? Because you know he has different cards, he could be lying this time, but in the world where you know that he's always going to tell the truth, it's actually better to believe him and always work with him than it is to not. So like a good player, I'm reading it from Serlin's website now, a good player should intentionally enter donkey space, in other words, play in an exploitable or bad way in order to exploit opponents who are also playing in donkey space. Like a two-player Street Fighter type game, right? There are moves you could make that are not the best move. In fact, they leave you open for attack, right? So the opponent is baited into attacking you, but because you are doing this on purpose, you're actually prepared for his response to you playing suboptimally, and therefore you can punish them for being predictable. But both players can be aware of this. I can be aware that you're trying to bait me, and so I can try to counter bait you. There are all these sort of different feints and moves that you can make, to where both players are actually playing in Donkey Space the whole time. Neither one of them is playing in what the according to Hoyle optimal best way to play would be because they're sort of in that mind game level now. I think you're gonna do this, so I'm going to do this. And that makes games much more interesting because it's no longer just this programmed out thing. My Christmas list is pretty short this year. I love vintage board games, old games workshop stuff, old Warhammer miniatures, any old DD modules. Dream Quest would be my first one. We've talked about it a bunch on the show, but a lot of that talk was way, way early in the beginning. If you haven't heard or you're a new listener, Dream Quest is a deck building dungeon roguelike to where you're building your deck in your class like you're a mage, and you build your deck by leveling up and defeating monsters in a dungeon. And there's three levels to the dungeon and a mega boss, and it's super hard, but it's really addictive because you keep unlocking new achievements, which Increases the cool number of cards. The art is some of the ugliest art I've ever seen in the entire world. Which, if you know me, means that I love it. Because it's very campy. It's very endearing. It's obviously the love child of just like one person who's super passionate about this. And the designer ended up going and working for Hearthstone. The game was so great. So yeah, Dream Quest would be my number one tabletop-like game on a phone. Some of my other top five mobile games. One of them is a, it's sort of like a mini 4X game. It's called Polytopia. And you play these little 3D cube Minecraft looking creatures. Uh, It's turn-based like Age of Empires. You have a guy and you control small civilization and you go build up resources, you research technology, you fight the other races on this small grid. And it was just really addicting. I've played it a ton, tried to get all the achievements. By achievements, I just mean like get a perfect rating with every race. Every race has different strengths and weaknesses. And it's really cute. And it's very simple. The controls are very easy. So it's not like trying to play Civ 4 on your phone. You could play it very quickly. You could put it down, come back to it later. And so I've always really enjoyed that one. A few more games. 868 Hack is a roguelike where you're playing a, um, basically, like a little computer program on a grid, trying to defeat all these little viruses and make it as far as you can, like accumulating points. And so every time you move, all the other monsters move, and you sort of zap them, and then you buy little power-ups throughout the levels. Sounds really simple, has a really retro, old-school sort of vibe, but it's really fun to go on these high-score runs with this game, because you have to make a lot of risk-reward scenarios, like this block, if I make it explode, will spawn five bad guys, but it'll give me a really overpowered power-up can I kill those five bad guys in time to get down to the next level, or can I move on, or should I just skip the super powerful power-up and move on to the next level? That kind of question. Two more, these are text-based games. One of them is a game I liked from a long time ago called A Dark Room, which some of you may have played in your browser, or maybe you played it on your phone. But it basically starts off, you're in a dark room, and I don't want to spoil anything, but you make these small choices in a text-based game, like going out to get wood, building up the technology in your village, and then it just really expands. And that was always a really fun game. And then uh, the final one I just found out about a little while ago is a browser game called Seed Ship. It's this fun little game where you are the AI of a giant spaceship that has all these settlers aboard that are in like cryo sleep. They're the last remaining settlers of mankind. And your job is to find a planet suitable for them to live. So you have to make decisions, you know, meteorites are coming. Do you want them to hit the cultural database that you have stored? Or do you want it to hit your scanner that scans for resources on planets? So you have to make the best of bad decisions and then try to find a great planet for the people to live on. And so you find planets they've got great water, but they have like a carnivorous alien species that lives there. And then when you land, with your weak ship and everything, the people try and make the best of it, and you're graded based on how much of your people survived, how much of your science and culture survived, what kind of society they created. My highest-scoring one is like a post-scarcity utopia, and some of my worst ones are like an oppressive theocracy in the Stone Age, (laughs) because they landed, all their culture and science had been destroyed by asteroids. They had to fend off monsters constantly. And all they basically knew was that Earth was a better place than where they were at. But it's a fun little game. Those are my choices. Those are my top five right now off the top of my head with no prep whatsoever. What about you? It's funny that you bring that up because I did download it and I wasn't a fan. And recently, a week ago, I decided to give it another try because I like your games more now than I used to. And the whole game made way more sense to me now that I've played a lot more games. And it was a lot of fun and I played it, been playing it a lot. So I've actually been playing Lords of Waterdeep a decent amount. Yes. Yeah, I feel the same way. I should start playing that game again, because I did really like it, and I just didn't keep up with the expansions, because it does get kind of insane. You get to know the core set so well, and it really takes just as long to get to know every single expansion in detail. That's awesome. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y.
0: Thank you so much, Sean. Hopefully that wasn't painful for our knaves, knights, and even some of the nobles that were listening to this episode. <laughs> that last game you were talking about was Ascension. I gave my favorite five apps, and Ascension was one of them. Lords of Waterdeep, another one of them. Talked about Battlejack, Triple Agent, and I even talked about Burgle Bros. I love those games that you can get on your phone that, in my opinion play quicker and easier than they would with other people. But that was what I talked about, so you didn't get to hear that. (laughs) Sorry this is such a short episode. Sorry that I screwed up so badly and you didn't hear my audio. But maybe this experiment was a bit fun there, and hopefully I didn't plot spoil it all by telling you what Sean was talking about some of those times. (laughs) Anyway... Thanks for listening. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. You can find me on the tweets and the Facebook, but better yet, if you want to follow the podcast, go to Twitter at PlayTKG. But here's the best thing you can do. Please write us. Send us your stories. They can be as short or as long as you want. We want to post them. These are our Knave Tonight submissions. How do you do that? Well, you send your audio, your comments, your questions, whatever the hell you want, your complaints, your reactions to this episode to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And I think with that being said, Sean, this episode is finished.
1: episode, man. I gotta run. I gotta work on this uh, newsletter. Cool. Sounds good. Doesn't have to be too long, obviously, because, you know, it's a newsletter, but sweet.